This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. It was Easter Sunday, 2019, in Sri Lanka's largest city and commercial capital of Colombo, when Christians had gathered to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ as believers all over the world were doing. Well, on that April morning, three churches were targeted, along with three luxury hotels in coordinated attacks by suicide bombers. A total of 269 people were killed, including 45 foreign nationalists, three police officers and eight bombers, and at least 500 people were injured. And among the organizations that helped in the aftermath was the Voice of the Martyrs Canada partner in the country, the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka. And as we move towards the third anniversary of those horrible attacks, we wanted to find out how VOM Canada was able to support our brothers and sisters in Christ in Sri Lanka and also get an update on the current situation of persecution facing Christians on the island nation. I'm joined by Yamini Ravindran, who is the Associate Secretary General Director, Legal and Advocacy, Religious Liberty and Social Justice Commission from our friends at the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka. Yamini is a lawyer and joins me from Colombo. Thanks for being with me. Thank you, Greg. Now, as we get closer to Easter, uh, are Christians there in Sri Lanka concerned that maybe other attacks on churches could take place? It's not only in relevance to Easter, Greg, but uh, persecution of Christian has been a very real thing in Sri Lanka and uh, the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka. We have been documenting incidents of religious liberty violations against Christians. Uh, so uh, just last year alone, we documented, um, I think, just over 70 incidents. And uh, even this year, we have documented over 18 incidents or a little bit more than that. So um, it, it doesn't only have to do with Easter Sunday, but uh, persecution of uh, religious minorities in Sri Lanka is a very real thing. Ed, we'll get into some of the current things that are happening uh, in Sri Lanka. I, I've had uh, the opportunity to be there on two occasions and have documented many stories of Christians, you know, being attacked, and that continues on. And I think we have to make sure that we don't forget that uh, when these larger scale events happen, like a church bombing, which draws the whole attention of the world, they're shocked when they saw those kinds of things happening. Um, but before we get to that, let's go back to that Easter bombing. What was the motive behind that? Extremism in Sri Lanka has been growing with the end of the civil war in the country. And um, the motive behind the Easter Sunday attack, uh, of course, it was um, perpetrators were directly the consequence of Islamic terrorism. Uh, or extremism in the country. Uh, however, there have also been allegations um, of various state apparatus as well. And uh, even the Roman Catholic Church has taken this up very seriously, both locally and internationally. So um, there is, I would say, not just one, a particular motive behind the Easter Sunday attacks, uh, but it is a combination of uh, uh, many complex issues um, and uh, the situation in Sri Lanka right now. 
So when you talk about it not just being Islamic extremists, and I've covered many of those kinds of situations in countries like Nigeria, or say if it's the Boko Haram, they have their agenda. Uh, So in Sri Lanka, you're saying that it was not just the Islamic terrorists, but there may have been others involved in this. Can you maybe explain that a little bit more? Uh, Because that's something that's a little bit different uh, from some of the other places that uh, these things go on. The allegations right now and uh, the larger opinion seems to be that uh, it was not only the Islamic extremism or terrorism, uh, which, you know, occurred, the Easter Sunday occurred only, not only because of that, uh, but it, it would have not been possible if there was not any kind of state support per se. And uh, that has been something, you know, that a lot of people have been talking about and a lot of allegations. Uh, because uh, one of the things that uh, people seem to be upset about in at in large is the fact that um, maybe it could have been avoided uh, and uh, that there were so many who were whistleblowing about uh, this particular uh, person who was becoming very extremist and so on and uh, that there was a lack from the part of the state to actually take proper actions uh, to you know prevent such an atrocity from happening and uh, what is right now very concerning for us as sri lankans is the fact that um, two years um, forward that we have still not seen justice in the situation and that is something that is concerning for us now let's Again, I'm just, uh, you know, as I'm hearing what you're saying in terms of uh, maybe state involvement, I mean, what does that look like and what would the motive be behind the state uh, either turning a blind eye to, uh, you know, potentially something like that going, uh, you know, happening? There's often intelligence that uh, governments have and, you know, potential attacks. Uh, So maybe they turn a blind eye or direct involvement. Uh, I mean, that, uh, that's pretty serious when you think about uh, governments, uh, you know, either allowing or even being involved in something like this. Yes, that particular allegation is quite serious. And uh, we still don't know really the motive behind that. Um, and yeah, I hope we do get to know the intention and uh, also see justice to the whole situation. How disappointed are the Christians uh, and, and, of course, others? The, the hotels were bombed as well, but I think particularly the, of the three churches that were you know, attacked with the suicide bombers. Uh, many, many were killed and injured. Uh, does that compound um, you know, the trauma, the fact that those that were responsible have not been charged and have faced justice? Greg, they uh, have been through so many challenges and they come from a vulnerable and a very poor background as well. So even as they have been coping with life, facing all these challenges, it's important that we don't forget them. And at the same time, I think their disappointment is very much there, but they have so much else to cope with because of the consequences of the Easter Sunday attack, which is still very real to them. Um, And I think it's the leaders uh, who really need to uh, kind of spearhead and, and take on. Um, you know, ensuring to bring justice 
uh, to this particular community yes of course there is disappointment uh, amongst the people um, that we have really not seen justice in this particular situation and that we are yet to see it yeah it's difficult to even try to move on uh, when justice hasn't been served and i know as followers of christ we know that there's going to be justice eventually it may not be on this uh, side of eternity is that how you somewhat counsel the people uh you know with your organization of course voice of the martyrs were involved with you know with the national christian evangelical alliance of sri lanka uh that we may not get justice now but there will be ultimate justice because we believe that you know the lord is going to bring uh his judgment and all the things that that have happened uh, eventually will be looked after does that give them hope and is that how you trying to help them to get through some of the trauma that they've had to endure yes i think you are very right in what you said uh, that they live in the hope of uh, also meeting their loved ones one day because they know you know this is not the end for them and they know that they will see them one day and also that yes in the hope of justice that they will see in the future and also i think encouraging them by demonstrating god's love to them and uh, you know just being there with them and ensuring uh, to let them know that they are not forgotten right and and that's one of the things we don't want to forget that uh, you know these horrible things happened and again when we heard about the bombings and there were you know so many casualties i mean 300 or 269 people were killed uh you know more than 500 injured but when other things replace it on you know in the headlines uh, people can you know then be forgotten so part of that is i know with us with voice of the martyrs and again what you are doing there and other organizations is to make sure they're not forgotten Uh, can you just talk about some of the ways like in our partnership with the voice of the martyrs and also with the national christian evangelical alliance of sri lanka uh how you've been able to help you know with the practical needs you know medical assistance counseling and those kinds of things and as you mentioned earlier yamini you know in this particular attack uh the breadwinners of the family were killed yeah yes greg so i think we are very grateful for the partnership with voice of the martyrs uh, which has really Uh, enabled us to continue to encourage these Tasande victims and to work very closely with them in 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 the course of the past two years and we are continuing to do so um now with the Tasande attack uh, and the atrocity that occurred i mean the ncsl knew that during this time we had to bring uh, the christians island wide together in one spirit uh to pray for peace and forgiveness and uh, there was also a very quick response which was uh, urgently required uh, so we came up with a three prong strategy uh, to look at their immediate needs and that is their medical needs and emergency needs that immediately occurred during that time and then secondly to look at meeting their intermediary needs um and then uh, finally to ensure that uh, you know we we set up things in a way that we meet their long term needs as well so that we can really build a resilient community and in light of that um, if i was to just speak about the medical assistance that we did uh, with the help of uh, voice of martyrs we have been able to support uh, and with other partners as well over 95 uh, with medical support alone 
and that comes to victims from the Saint Sebastian Church in Katowa Pitiya to the Saint Anthony's Church in Kochikade and the Zion Church victims from Batiklo as well and in the medical support that we provided it was just not only uh, support for surgeries uh, but also uh, when um, a lot of them were severely injured they also needed caregivers to be by their side and to look after them so um, that was also included in the medical support and then of course uh, physiotherapy expenses and to purchase um urgent medicals medicines um and uh, also to look at uh, you know long term life changing surgeries as well and some of them were permanently impaired because of the sandy attack so even ensuring that we were able to uh, look into sanitary facilities and so on so that they'll be able to move into their homes and uh, you know be able to get used to this new challenge in their life so um, maybe i would like to share a story about uh, a lady named anuleka she's a mother to two boys uh, and she was also the sunday school teacher now due to the bomb her spinal cord and her brains it was both severely damaged and she was paralyzed and she lost all speech capabilities and uh, with the support of uh, our partners and particularly vum we were able to uh, you know uh, support in one of her crucial uh, surgeries which which had to be conducted in india and uh, she was permanently she was severely paralyzed and after the surgery she was able to move her fingers and that meant a lot to her you know uh, and so many others like that greg and uh, i can keep going on about um an, another little girl uh, 13 year old her name is debi and she lost both her parents in the easter sunday attack and uh, you know she completely lost um, visually she was completely permanently impaired and she was not able to see and you can just imagine you know you're a healthy little girl and the next thing you know your both your parents uh, have deceased and you are unable to see and she went through so much of surgeries and uh, such a very difficult time and uh, through the support of our partners and once again with VOM we have been able to just be there for debi to help her family to support her uh, during all those painful surgeries that she went through and uh, today we are even looking at uh, sending her to india and uh, because there is a small possibility that maybe uh, with a potentially another surgery in her eye that she may be able to regain uh, just 5% uh, of one of her eye sites um, and for me what's very encouraging about little debi is she's a 13 year old and today if you meet her you would never be able to say that she has been through so much of difficulties and challenges in her life because she is the one person in her family who Uh, holds uh, all their faith kind of you know even when the sri lankan eye doctor said that um, there is no chance of her regaining her eyesight whatsoever uh, she said no if 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 you know if, if there is a, a way i'm sure god will be able to do this for me so that hope and that faith really encourages me and those are just two stories and testimonies that i have to share and i'm sure we'll talk more about this in in, in the podcast 
as well as we move forward. Yamini, when you tell us these stories, um, I mean, these are real people of the more than 500 that were injured. You know, so you've got Analika, uh, she's teaching Sunday school. Uh, she's severely injured, now has difficulty speaking. You talked about, you know, Debbie, 13-year-old, uh, you know, challenges with her eyesight. Both her parents are killed. And yet their faith remains strong. Uh, that must inspire you to continue on to do what you're doing. Yes, some of their faith and how their faith remains strong is very admirable. But I must also say that some of them, um, you know, they are questioning their faith as well. Uh, so we, we, have, um, we have victims who, who are very much struggling uh, during this time as well. I can totally understand that. I mean, again, my travels of interviewing hundreds of persecuted Christians, including many in your country, some, their faith is strong. Others are traumatized. Uh, they have PTSD as a result of uh, the trauma that they have suffered. So for every person, it is a little bit different. Uh, how has overall the church been affected by these church bombings? And, and again, I know every story would be different, but overall, has that uh, you know, got many Christians, you know, considering like maybe leaving the faith or just being very quiet in their faith. Because I know many Sri Lankans are very uh, passionate about Jesus and they want people to get to know him. So kind of what has this done to the Christian community in Sri Lanka? We're, of course, you're a very uh, small minority of the people there. The Easter Sunday attacks uh, affected the church um, in, in different ways, Greg. Now, for instance, it was not something that the church expected at all. So there was a mindset of fear within the church as well, as soon as the Easter Sunday attacks occurred. And then also, uh, in the name of providing security uh, to the churches, it also gave a further strong hold um, stemming from the state onto the churches because they started uh, uh, monitoring and questioning the churches, uh, using the guise of security uh, after the Easter Sunday attacks as well, which in some instances, uh, also uh, some of the churches in the rural communities very particularly found that intimidating too. So I would say um, not only did it bring in a fear mindset, but also it brought in another challenge for the church to to face. So with the ongoing persecution, of course, we had the, you know, the church bombings, we've been talking about that, but there's this ongoing persecution, especially in the rural communities. What are the pastors, Christian leaders saying to their congregations? And I know that you're helping as well with the training and, and just maybe explain some of the things that you're trying to, you know, help churches deal with, uh, because persecution doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon against the followers of Jesus in Sri Lanka. In terms of how, as the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka, uh, the work that we do with the church is to teach them about the current trends in persecution so that they know what is really happening in the country and there is awareness created, but also at the same time teaching them how to uh, cope with persecution and how to be resilient uh, by facing the challenges and continuing in their faith as well. Uh, so preparing them for persecution. Uh, 
Um, and finally, we also teach them how to avoid persecution because there are times that the church can be unwise too in how they go about things and preparing them um, on that too. And in, in, in all these trainings, we also make sure that we really give the church a very thorough understanding about the legal framework in the country um, and what the rights of the church is uh, constitutionally and uh, how they should respond to persecution as well. So I would say we teach them how to prevent it, but also how to respond to it and uh, uh, educating and equipping them as to how to intervene when something bad happens to them that violates their right to religious freedom as well. Right. And that's important. One of the things that, you know, and as I've been teaching uh, we, the theology of persecution and discipleship uh, is the response that Christians have. There's some that will flee persecution. They'll either go to another part of the country or leave the particular nation that they're in. Uh, there's fortitude. You stay. And in many cases, Christians around the world can't leave where they're at. And then there's also fighting. And uh, we talk about fighting in the legal sense in Sri Lanka is a country that I often talk about because you do have that legal framework. I know that people are disappointed with the way the justice system will work in various countries, but it is an option there. So I think that's something that, and again, we're involved, you know, particularly with you uh, and the organization as well, the, the National Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka, in terms of there is uh, legal options open. But when you talk about uh, trying to prevent persecution, can you just give me some examples of that? Because, I, I mean, the Church of Jesus Christ around the world is so diverse. There's others that would be very cautious, and there's other believers that are very uh, vocal, uh, even in the way they do their church services. You know, maybe it's very loud, and that upsets the neighbors and things like that. So how do you navigate um, just the kind of various ways that uh, followers of Jesus, you know, uh, have worship services and things like that? Is, is that kind of how you're advising them, like, in terms of maybe you can prevent some of this by doing certain things without compromising uh, the message of Jesus. Thank you, Greg, for that. And um, in terms of how to avoid persecution, we teach them uh, we on, on the do's and don'ts. For example, something that we tell them is how to be culturally sensitive, even as they serve in their rural communities and they continue with their religious worship activities. And at the same time, uh, we also teach them not to be intertwined any kind of social work with evangelism um, in, in their communities, uh, which may lead to a lot of unwarranted or unwanted consequences. And, uh, and another important thing is to also uh, to make sure that uh, they have good relationships with the people in their community and uh, sometimes as Christians uh, you know we tend to isolate ourselves but we need to remember that you know we need to be able to be there in that community and have good relationships with our neighbors uh, and to be able to see how we can be culturally sensitive to our surroundings as well as we continue in our ministry and in the religious worship activities so those are just a few things uh, as examples that we train them on, but there's so much more uh, that we teach them and we educate them on. 
Well, education is, you know, so important. And, and I think when you talk about loving our neighbors, that's what we're commanded to do. And, you know, if in Canada, where we have more religious uh, freedom here, it's in, yeah, there's issues certainly that we're facing in Canada when it comes to Christianity and the opposition against uh, the message of Jesus and the teachings of the scripture. Um, but I know in some communities uh, where there has been a lot of persecution is the Christians start to become more and more isolated and, uh, and, and in some cases even take on a victim mentality. And I understand that I'm not criticizing that. I understand it, but it's so important uh, that we get the teachings, uh, you know, from the Bible and, and to help our brothers and sisters in Christ to not to be isolated and to share the message of Jesus and doing it in a way uh, that doesn't contradict the Bible. And again, that's, that is always a challenge. And I know not only in Canada, Sri Lanka and around the world, uh, you know, when it comes to how people perceive Christians and then, you know, to pull back and, you know, certainly we want to continue to tell people about Jesus. So uh, that's, that's just such an important part of what uh, you're, you guys are doing. And, and that's why we so support and appreciate all that you are doing uh, in Sri Lanka. Now, VOM Canada, has been reporting uh, on many stories on our persecution and prayer alert and through our website at vomcanada.com. By the way, I will put on the show notes on the podcast uh, where you can sign up for the persecution and prayer alert. Uh, so important to hear what God is doing uh, in the midst of persecution and how we can be, you know, praying. So here's a story that we were just reporting on recently from Sri Lanka. Uh, recently on a Sunday afternoon, a large mob consisting of around 600 people including about 60 Buddhist monks, had forced their way into the Mercy Gate Chapel in Amalgana, which is in the southern province of Sri Lanka. Now, the mob demanded that all the religious activities of the church cease immediately and mandated that the place of worship be closed down. Uh, the aggressors then also threatened the life of the pastor if he continued to lead worship services. In the midst of the congregation, one of the church members was injured but was released from hospital the next day. These kinds of stories are not uncommon. Yamini, can you just tell me a little bit more about what happened in that particular incident? The community leaders, uh, the villagers, and uh, Buddhist monks as well, they, there was unrest and uh, they went against the pastor and um, they said that it was illegal, uh, that particular church, and uh, they did not have the right to continue uh, in that particular village. Now, what was encouraging in that situation was uh, the officer in charge who was present there actually said that he has the right to continue uh, with his religious worship activities. But later on, when they went for a police inquiry on the 8th of March, once again, there was an issue. The the other side, the parties, the perpetrators were also. They also came for the uh, inquiry, and uh, there once again the pastor was then told that he doesn't have the right to continue uh, with his particular church, and that is uh, not something that is uh, um, very rare in Sri Lanka. I mean, that's a particular allegation that has been continued to be thrown at churches that they are illegal. Uh, very particularly the evangelical and independent churches that function in rural communities and they uh, are constantly demanded to stop their religious worship activities. How do churches like that particular one, and, and I've been in some of the rural churches, talk to the pastors and 
you know, sometimes a mob will come and it's used intimidation. Sometimes there's violence, sometimes there's not. But how does that affect the church's ongoing, never really knowing when a mob may show up and try to stop the worship service? A lot of the churches in Sri Lanka, they function as house churches. And um, I think they they just face the challenge. And, uh, and when it does occur, uh, they you know, just face it and cope with it. Uh, but yes, I mean, it also leaves them in a place where uh, I think uh, particularly uh, when a particular church gets noticed or when, you know, when that particular church is being challenged constantly, it can be quite intimidating. And, uh, and also it can instill a lot of fear in the mindsets of the people as well. And uh, there have been instances when there has, be in such situations, uh, sadly or and unfortunately, that uh, you know Christian believers have stopped coming to church, um, and there have also been instances where pastors have uh, you know closed down those churches, and uh, they have left those areas as well. Those are uh, a few unfortunate incidents that have occurred as well. Right, and I know that uh, persecution affects you know churches and individuals and even as you mentioned pastors and in different ways some uh, want to leave stop doing ministry uh, the churches scatter uh, but on the other hand we've also seen and and I've met some of those in Sri Lanka that as the persecution intensified their resolve became stronger is that something you're continuing to see happening in Sri Lanka that even though persecution has increased and you talked about uh, you know incidents rising you know every year uh, and it is happening for many many years that persecution has actually strengthened the church in some cases yes there have been instances that i have been very encouraged myself where it has strengthened the church and uh, in fact the church has grown um, and uh, there have also been instances where the very people who have come against the church or who have tried to attack the pastor, uh, those very people, um, you know, um, God has brought them. And uh, they have, in fact, um, started coming to those very same churches that they have been against. So there are very encouraging uh, testimonies uh, like that as well, as, as much as there are also um, unfortunate incidents where, you know, people have also uh, backslided after persecution. Now, Yamini, as you mentioned, persecution affects Christians in different ways and in Sri Lanka and other parts of the world. Sometimes persecution actually causes believers to be stronger. Others, it causes a lot of fear and that may even back away from their faith in Jesus. Regardless of where they're at, we need to support them. And so just want to talk a little bit again, going back to the Easter bombing uh, and what the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, in terms of supporting uh, the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka, because it wasn't only in medical assistance, of course, that was the first priority, but over these last almost three years, uh, Voice of the Martyrs has been involved in a number of different things as well. Yes, Greg, and, um, and, and I think the NCSL 
um and these tsunami victims we we are very grateful to the vom and and to our partners who have come alongside with us uh, to be able to ensure that these victims are not forgotten up to date and like i mentioned before we have been responding to their immediate needs we have we've been looking into the intermediary needs of these victims and then setting up long term interventions as well so other than the medical support um we have also made sure that so many of the of the children um, who were severely injured due to the easter sunday attacks or who lost their loved ones some of them who lost both their parents that we have been able to set aside um support for them so that on a monthly basis uh, they would have educational scholarships to continue uh, with their uh, education and with their studies now for instance for somebody like debi whom we spoke about before um, you know since she visually she has been permanently impaired we have made sure that with the support of vum uh, that she learns braille and she is able to become independent and educational support in that sense as well um and uh, that has continued in the past two years and we will be continuing with those educational supports and that's not only for children but also we are considering youth uh, who were um, affected by these disaster attacks as well um now other than that in order to really make uh, these families resilient and to encourage them because as i mentioned before uh, most of them they lost their breadwinners in the families uh, so we have made sure with the support of vom um, that we have looked into each individual family and assessed their needs and we have been uh, supporting them with livelihood initiatives as well uh, and uh, dry ration support uh, continuously over the past 2 to 3 years uh, and uh, that really encouraged them and supported them even during the time of the pandemic because a lot of these families and a lot of these victims come from very vulnerable communities and very poor backgrounds too uh, so uh, livelihood initiatives on on that note we have been able to support them with a variety of uh, different creative interventions which really brings out their strengths so uh, sewing machines to uh, textile um carpentry woodworking um and uh, phone shops to stationery shops to communications um supporting them with masonry work poultry farming uh, farming land brick production grocery shops uh, some of them wanted to uh, you know go into electrical so supporting uh them to become electricians then catering uh and uh, motor garage and salons as well uh, so uh, uh one particular a uh, victim we supported was a mother named sri devi she had two children uh and she faced a great loss on the 21st of april uh, because her husband uh, who was the sole breadwinner uh, to the family she lost him and uh, uh you know even as she lost her husband she Uh, and the sole breadwinner in the family uh, she was completely she was lost and uh, she had no way to support both her children with their education and uh, with the support of pom we were able to support her uh, for her to start her own stationery shop in her uh, home 
and um, you know she is doing so well today uh, where she has converted her home uh, also into her safe place for her children and for her business as well where she has been able to do this uh, stationery so- shop very successfully and today she is um, an independent mother uh, who is able to support both her children uh, with their educational support and with their needs and uh, she is 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 a woman of faith and uh, she, and she has truly become um, an encouraging person not only to her family but to other victims uh, in in that particular area as well so um, you know in in these initiatives uh, that we support them even with the livelihood support uh, they are really able to find encouragement and uh, face those challenges even as they have been through so much of trauma and uh, traumatic incidents as well and another family is uh, uh, kulendra dasa and his wife uh, they were both very strong believers but uh, right you know these tsunami bombings it shook their faith because uh, they lost their son um, to the attack and uh, that gave them a lot of um, you know a lot of sadness and of course a great pain in the family and um, they found it very difficult because uh, uh, even the other two daughters that they had they were also suffering very serious injuries inflicted by the bombs as well so we were once again able to support this family also uh, with the livelihood support and an initiative um and that really helped them uh, to be able to support both their daughters who are seriously who were seriously injured and uh, also for them to become more independent uh, as a family so uh, those are just one or two testimonies but so much more to share um and testimonies of uh, you know real people uh, who have whose lives have turned around and uh, who have become only more resilient and independent and by the support of eom they have also become a blessing to others in their community and for me that is what i find most in- encouraging you know the stories are heartbreaking and you know when you are naming the people and and you've met them and you've seen the pain you know losing a child at any time is difficult and but in such a violent way is 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 so difficult to be able to comprehend and yet that's why we need to stand together and uh, and I appreciate you sharing the stories you know when you hear so many people 269 people dying and then and then also those that are injured the 500 or more i mean these are real lives lives have been changed forever really on this planet and it's difficult but that's why we need to stand together and i i know on behalf of the voice of the martyrs canada i can tell you you know those that are listening the national christian evangelical alliance of sri lanka is you're very professional uh you're very compassionate i know my experiences working with you in sri lanka has been so positive and uh we so appreciate it you're so well organized and you get the resources to the people and as you know we'd say at voice of the martyrs canada you're one of our trusted partners and uh, we love working with you and it's it's heartbreaking to hear these stories and yet we're not leaving these people that have been badly injured and their lives you know forever changed uh, just kind of to fend for themselves we 
want to help them. So I so appreciate you, Yamini, and, and the whole team there in Sri Lanka that are doing amazing things. Again, we need to be helping with the practical things, and we will continue to do that. But the number one thing is to pray. And as we pray, I've said this before, is that's when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our hearts and says, this is what we need to be doing. We can't do everything, but we can do some things. And that's why we have you know, hooked up with our friends in Sri Lanka to do the things that need to be done. Not only those that were injured you know, in the church bombings that happened almost three years ago, uh, but also the ongoing persecution of many of our brothers and sisters that on a daily basis are facing many challenges. So Yamini, before we go, can you pray uh, for the Christians in Sri Lanka and, and as the Holy Spirit leads you? Yes, Greg. Um, Father Lord, we thank you, Lord, uh, for this day and the opportunity that you have given us. And Lord, we thank you for VUM and for all our partners who have come alongside and uh, who have been a blessing uh, to the persecuted church in Sri Lanka. Lord, we pray that um, even as we continue our ministry and even as we continue our work, that uh, you will be their source of comfort and uh, their love and that you will bring peace in every situation, even as they face challenges and even as they struggle and uh, even as uh, some of them have questions about the future, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will be their sole comfort and you will bring peace into their hearts and that you will unite the church in Sri Lanka together uh, so that we will stand united. And uh, even as you have called the church to be the voice of reconciliation, to be uh, the body that demonstrates love, to be the body that speaks out justice um, and to be the salt and light of the community. Lord, I pray that your church in Sri Lanka uh, will be um, that very blessing that you intended to be, Lord. And we pray for your strength. We pray for your wisdom. And above all, Lord, we pray for your grace and for your mercy, even as we continue in this ministry and even as um, the church continues in the work that you have called the church to do. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And Yami, let me pray for you as well. Father, just thank you for Yamini. Thank you for the work that uh, she's doing. And I know that uh, she is uh, hears these stories and sees the uh, tragic results of uh, the Easter bombing and, and also the other situations that are happening around that nation. I pray, Lord, that you just continue to just fill her with your Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, I know she's a compassionate lady and, and to see and hear these stories on a daily basis can take a toll. But Lord, I, I pray that when she feels that burden is heavy, that she would just release it to you. We know that Jesus said that the burden would be light. The yoke would be easy. And even uh, in the midst of so many heartbreaking stories, you just continue to fill her with your love and in that strength. That, uh, that you've given this dear woman of God. Thank you, for God, for Yogaraja and uh, the whole team there at the National Christian Evangelical Alliance of Sri Lanka and, and the churches around that country, that you'll continue to strengthen them, Lord, uh, and again, to keep them and all of us focused on what really matters, and that is sharing the amazing message of Jesus. And in the middle of opposition, those that don't want to hear it or they become uh, antagonistic towards that message, 
Father, that you would just, um, again, remind all of us that we need to share that message. The only hope this world has is in Jesus Christ. So we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the time that we've been able to spend uh, hearing these stories. They're difficult, but that also we would continue to pray that uh, you would strengthen your church around Sri Lanka, continue to give them wisdom and how they do ministry and, uh, and, and the love that would continue to flow from each and every one of them. Uh, because when we are persecuted, when we face opposition, we can uh, become hard at times even and, and retreat. But Lord, that's not what we're called to. We're to go into the world and proclaim the amazing message of Jesus. So again, we thank you for this time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yamini, again, Amen. thank you for spending the time uh, with me and on Closer to the Fire and to uh, help us to understand what has gone on as a result of the bombing there uh, Easter three years ago and the current situation and, and the amazing work that's being done in the middle of a very difficult situation. So God bless you and thank you. God bless you, Greg, and thank you. And thank you to VUM and for all those who support the VUM ministry for us to be able to do this good work. Thank you. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, like our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka, the closer you are to the fire.